Listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. And welcome to this episode of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi, and this is podcast episode number 1031. The Bad Stuff Tequila (laughs) may have just entered the market, but their product goes far beyond. And I've invited David Warshawski, who is the CEO and general manager, to come in today and talk about the positioning, the niche that they're going after, and the rich history of this product. I'm very excited that he's in the studio today because we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, which is understanding your customer and then marketing and finding and bringing those customers to your brand. All right, David, welcome to Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. It's great to have you on the show. And for those of you that are watching us on the OC Talk Radio Facebook live stream, you see that we're in the studio. David's brought some products and packaging, and we have a We've had a rich conversation off air, so let's try to bring that conversation uh, onto it. So uh, let's talk a little bit about you before we talk about the bad stuff tequila. Tell me a little bit, tell our audience a little bit about your background. All right. Um, I started out as a lawyer for the NBC television network uh, many years ago, but never truly wanted to be a lawyer. And that was my way of sort of um, justifying law school, I guess, and okay. uh, taking my first job. Okay. But it did lead me through my interests, which were in entertainment. And um, I did want to start to be in the production side, but wound up in marketing, which ultimately was a form of production for me. My business partner and I, we both start together. We, he was a lawyer at NBC as well. We started a uh, ad agency hmm. and wound up producing commercials and marketing campaigns for NBC and their stations group. And uh, quite a few of the advertisers that they work with on a regular basis, such as General Motors, Pepsi, Coca-Cola, worked on uh, probably eight or nine Olympics, uh, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, quite a few things and uh, produced a lot of integrated media spots. We were at the start of everything that went, you know, first from straight on-air television to 10 different channels and platforms of distribution with the same content, different formats. Right. And, and different end users. So how long have you been involved with the Bad Stuff Tequila? Well, um, I got involved with them uh, last year okay. uh, in December, um, which actually, even though the company had been set up two years prior, um, they were having difficulty getting the product produced and up to the marketplace, so I got involved. I've been a serial entrepreneur most of my life, okay. other than my stint as a lawyer. And so one of the um, founders was a client of mine with another business, and he asked me to come in and get involved uh, to run the company, and I agreed to do so. So why did you agree to do so? Well, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Couldn't I, help yourself? I, I like a challenge, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I guess I couldn't help myself. Okay. But, you know, the truth is, too, is um, I'll never get behind a company unless I like the product. And I don't honestly drink that much, or I didn't prior to this. All right. And so I tasted it, and I couldn't believe how good it was. And so my first thought was, well, if I like it, and I don't drink a lot, right. there's going to be a big market for something like this. So I actually went out and did a little bit of market research and found out that um, in distilled spirits, the fastest-growing segment is tequila. And within tequila, the fastest-growing segment is the ultra-premium. And so... So I take it that's where you're positioned. That's where we're positioned, yes. Okay. We are not going after the mass market. We're not going into Blancos, Mixtos, Reposados, or even Añejos. We're focused strictly on craft spirits, uh, the Extra Añejo, Ultra Premium, 
We're staying true to the heritage of our brand, uh, which has, even though it's a new product, has an extensive brand uh, heritage, if you will. Right. I'm I'm fascinated by the packaging. It looks... Um, modern, but yet it looks like it has a history and a story to tell. And that's exactly what we did. I came from marketing. I ran ran an ad agency. I was a senior vice president at NBC for integrated sales and marketing promotions, uh, production rather. And what we have is essentially a brand new product. It's only been launched since and available in the market since uh, January. Wow. But it has a very rich history. One of the two founders is the grandson of a bootlegger. Okay. And so... Got to have an interesting story, right? Yeah, you got to have a fun okay, story. Okay, so the backstory is interesting. You exactly. got my interest. Well, we, we like to say that we have a great product and a really fun story. Okay. And it's a story people actually like to retell, which helps you in your, your marketing. Right, right. So the grandfather, the bootlegger, originally sold his recipe uh, during Prohibition. And when he passed away, the recipe went away from the market. And he, he actually sold it to support his family. He became a bootlegger to support his family. Right. But you say it was during Prohibition, but yes. he was in Mexico. Uh, he was actually in Southern California. He was in Southern California? Southern California. Oh, okay. And he would make it in Mexico and okay. sell it in Southern California. Okay. Um, a little footnote is most people will know this, although some don't. It cannot be called tequila unless it's certified by the Mexican government. Now, back in those days, I'm sure they got around a lot of things with prohibition and right. whatever. Yeah. But anyways, it was sold – actually, it was sold in a speakeasy, the Sir Kenneth Charles down in the San Diego area, which has just reopened. It will be reintroducing it there wow. uh, sometime this year. That's awesome. Yeah. But he passed on his knowledge to his only son, and uh, that son – uh, was the uncle of our current maker and one of our partners and founders. Mm-hmm. And um, so he uh, he learned to make it at his uncle's uh, knee, if you will, on his ranch in Mexico. And he's been doing this now since 1994, I think. And, but, but not commercial. No, but only for friends and family. Okay. Only for friends and family. So we have a we have a rich history that goes all the way back to Prohibition. Uh-huh. But we've been off the market since... Uh, the original uh, maker, his Felipe's grandfather, passed away. Okay, and it was reintroduced uh, to the market um, in, in mid-January, and we've done very well with it, and um, we've won several awards. And it's a fun story because it's limited craft spirit. We only made twenty nine hundred bottles in our first batch. Okay, this is not widely available. Uh, we're working on our second batch, which is a thousand bottles. And everything we do to support the brand, like you're talking about with the box, for example, is to reflect that the brand has a history, even though it's new to the market, Mm -hmm. and that we want to stay true to the roots of what tequila is about. So our product is is not just a great product. We surround it in an environment with a label that's made out of recycled agave paper. Mm. And it's also made, the label, the paper for the label is actually handmade in the town of Tequila. And the business is a small business owned by a woman who only hires women to empower them to be financially responsible. So that tells more, to the, more to the story. Yeah. And then the bottles themselves are made out of recycled glass and they're handmade as well. Again, supporting local craftsmanship and artisan values and things like that, which are who we are. Um, so you have this beautiful package. You have this amazing story about the the ingredients and the recipe, if you will, for the product. Yes. You have a story to tell about the box and the labels, and and it leads you all to the opportunity to talk about the product that's inside the bottle, right? Yes. All right. And so um, we're going to take our first commercial and only break for this segment. When we come back, I want to talk about the experience of of what you've seen when people taste this tequila for the first time. And then I really want to spend the time in the next block talking about the niche, the 
ideal prospect customer for the product that you're building and, and making here for them. Can sure. we do that? We can. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after this word from me. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insight to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast. I am your host, Richard Franzi. All of our shows can be heard anytime on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com, several hundred former guest websites whose CEOs have put our put their player on their website of their appearance on our show. You know, since we started our show in 2009, we've reached several hundred thousand listeners through our live streams, podcasts, and other channels. Simply type in Critical Mass Radio Show into your favorite podcasting software, and you'll be able to automatically get great interviews with outstanding guests like David Warshawski. He is the CEO and general manager for the Bad Stuff Tequila. And in the first first block, we kind of set the context. So this is really a David versus Goliath kind of a business opportunity, right? It, it is indeed. I mean, you, we have a lot of very large companies that we're trying to do business against or with or enter the market you know, challenges. But if you look at what happened to the beer industry, uh, a lot of big companies and the craft companies came along and suddenly the bigger ones started paying attention because they were losing share. Right. Well, so. we, had, we had an entrepreneur from uh, Cleveland on who is following the craft beer model making craft sodas mm-hmm. because their research shows millennials are biased towards these smaller batch more crafted products beer sodas is that also true in your space yeah i think so although our target market is probably uh, a little older than the millennials people who've actually acquired a certain amount of wealth and have some uh independent or discretionary income if you will okay but um yeah i would say the the appeals are that people are looking for things that are different experiences, that are more unique and limited, that they can also see the values of the company in, that they can see the product is good and and is wholesome, you know, mm-hmm. has the right... So, um, so f- with that focus, what's the right distribution model, David? Well, we're, we're taking it um, one step at a time in a... In a uh, we self-distribute in California, although we are currently looking for a partner. Okay. Um, and we've just started a partnership to distribute in Colorado, starting key markets like Aspen, mm-hmm. Snowmass, things like that. Okay, we're that demographic yes, frequency, we're that de- right? you gotta, exactly you got to right. fish where the fish, is, yeah. fish are. Yep. Right? And then we've also uh, been fortunate enough through one of our partners, Rebel Spirits, to get into Total Wines in California. Oh, so wow. That's a volume opportunity. It's a little bit of a volume opportunity. And that's, our, that's what we're trying do is is find a way to build a little volume to do some of the heavy lifting while we target our key word of mouth type clients right. in the key markets is, is that uh, you're, you're speaking to other entrepreneurs and business owners out there running lower middle market you know two to hundred million dollar kind of companies many early stage companies listening to the show to learn from your experience um, is that word building that word of mouth how hard is that and if you had any lessons to share or 
keys to success, what would you say to those people listening today on Critical Mass? Uh, keep your day job. Okay. Uh, okay. So <laughs> that's take time. And while, while, you're, while you're getting started up, um, I'd say it's a lot easier these days in certain ways, but you still have to find that that message and that way to connect. You know, the social media helps a lot, makes okay. it a lot easier. Right. Um, certainly a lot less expensive, but starting a business is not an easy task. And when you go into an industry that's established, like distilled spirits, you're competing against the big um, companies out there. And I would say it's just perseverance, a belief in your product. Make sure you have a darn good product because that ultimately will sell itself. Right. You've just got to find the messaging and the platforms that connect people with. Um, so your personal experience when you tasted it, you said, wow, I might be willing to put my wood behind this arrowhead because I like the taste of this. Yeah. Right? You would have tasted it and you probably, if you didn't like it, regardless of who the money meant, people behind it were, you might have not decided to. Yeah, I, I like the taste. And when I did my market research, I saw that it was an evolving trend, a growing trend. It's probably... You know, we're probably a third or halfway through that cycle as opposed to, say, craft beers, which are mature. Right. Um, craft sodas are probably a lot earlier in their cycle. Um, I've seen, As you mentioned, I've seen them in a few uh, okay. of the local chains now that sure. have come out with uh, craft sodas and different flavors and things. Almost, It's almost a throwback to mm-hmm. the, the old days of... It uh, is, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah. to when lo- everything was made locally. Right. Right. Before distribution, et cetera. So, so what type of... You've talked about total wines and more. You've talked about being directly distributed here. Who, who are you? What are you looking for? What type of establishments are open to the bad stuff tequila? We're in a lot of high-end establishments. For example, we've done very well with country clubs uh, out here in Irvine area. We're at the Shady Canyon Golf Club. In uh, my neck of the woods, we're at the Bel Air Country Club and the Brentwood Country Club. Okay, and this is where um, they can serve it at a reasonable price because they are geared towards their membership fees. Right. So they want to give their uh, members things that uh, are valued to them, a value okay. proposition. Okay. So they don't have to charge exorbitant fees to justify it. Um, and the members seem to like it and 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 spread the word that way. So is um, and not to interrupt you, but who's who gets the product in the hands of the consumer in that model? Then who, are you out educating the bartender, uh, or what? What does it take to get somebody to try the bad stuff? We right now in self distribution, we are meeting with the food and beverage managers ourselves. Um, like I said, we're now just starting to gain traction with some partners. We're talking to um, a couple of major distributors for California, um, but in the first six months, we've self distributed out of the original. 2,900 bottles that we brought in the first batch, we've self-distributed in the first six, seven months about uh, almost 700 bottles ourselves. Okay. And that's given us the ability to meet people. And that's part of what we want to do as a small company is know our clients, maintain our relationships. Right. And even though it seems a bit tedious, um, you know, it's how you build a brand. It doesn't take a lot of clients if they're repeat clients. Mm. So what I focus on is look for is those clients that I think can be good partners for us and we can be good partners to them uh-huh. and help each other build our businesses. There's one small um, uh, liquor store in Brentwood that has sold 10 cases of our product in the first six months. 10 cases? 10 cases. 60 bottles in, ten, in the first six months. Why? Because he or promotes how? it. He loves the product, okay. so he promotes it. Okay. And we work with him to make sure that whatever he needs to support it, um, within reason, he gets. Wow. And we stay in constant touch with him. So that must get you thinking, wow, there is volume, a certain amount of volume opportunity here. Yeah, there is a bit. And, and I'll also tell you that in the 50 or so uh, venues that we're in, both on-premise and off-premise in the first six months, we've had a 25% reorder rate. So I like to think of that as a very good sign that, one, see, our, our biggest problem is not sell in, it's sell through. And, right. you know, like with any product, you want to get people right. to try it. Right. And and so how do you do that? I can sell it in, but then I need staff, and that's where the real expense in this business comes from. Oh, really? Is the sales support. Okay. Sell through. 
So to get someone to make a recommendation that yeah. they should try the bad stuff yeah. tequila, whether that be maybe the waitress or the bartender correct. or the server or somebody and that introducing invo- the concept. Correct. And that involves a relationship, which is why I don't mind spending the time and energy going to the different uh, locations that we have as partners that serve our product and sitting down talking to them. I'll buy drinks for a round of people on there. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, this is what the big guys do, but on a mass scale. Right. We're right. focused on a narrow audience, and so have to be a little bit more targeted sure. in how we do this. We don't have their kind of budgets for marketing and whatnot. So, so let's turn our direction a little bit to Total Wines and more. Okay, I, I commented on the packaging, how it, it looks like it has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. but yet it's modern, and, it's, and that's probably not easy to get that look and feel to the product. And for those of you that are looking, watching us on Facebook, you can see the, the look and feel of this. Um, what is it that's going to bring this product off the shelf at Total Wines and More? Well, we're going to support them. Uh, this Friday and Saturday, we're going to be at their Tustin store on Friday, and I'm, um, I think the Redondo Beach store on Saturday, supporting the product, educating their um, staff on how to do it. See, okay. the great thing about Total Wine and More is they're people actually really know a lot about the products they sell. Right. That's part of their value add, right? Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I was there one day listening to a woman talk about whiskey over the phone, just a client or customer, and how the different ones are made in different distilleries under the same brand, so they'll have slightly different flavor profiles. Hmm. I never knew that. You know, they're very um, educated and very uh, able to inform their customers about the different products they sell. So we'll go in, and that's where we'll start with them by educating them. We're only in the California stores, um, so we'll spend the next uh, two months going to every store, getting to know the managers, and supporting the sales staff. And that's key to our own strategy of getting, you know, sort of a tentpole client, if you will, right. the support they need to promote our product. And then we have different strategic clients like uh, Dan Tana's in Hollywood, Fairmont Hotel, the Bel Air Country Club, etc. all these other fine parts. So these are recognized higher-end establishments yes. that you are specifically going after because you recognize that's where the market is. For right, and they cater to the types of clients that we're trying to reach. Right. So it's almost like we go into partnership with them in, in servicing their clients. Right, and the hope is that someone drinks it, tastes it at Bel Air Country Club, and then decides to buy it for their own personal Correct, or give it away for gifts, or, or gift. recommend it to friends, right. or for the holidays. Um, you know, maybe they work for a corporation that likes to give away unique idea- gifts and right. things. Right. Um, and you know, for ours, we only have. Uh, well, when this next match is up, we only have thirty nine hundred bottles that have ever been made in the world, and the wow. his- with a history that dates back to prohibition. Right. So it's so that's a- an interesting story. Yes, it's pe- stuff people can remember, even if they get a little clumsy on the facts, they can still tell it's been around for a while. When when you as an entrepreneur that's driving this, David, what is your volume opportunity? I mean, where do you see the bad stuff tequila going as far as volume shipments, if you're, if you're willing uh, to talk good, about yeah, that? No, absolutely. It's a, it's a good question. Um, you know, with a little bit of luck and a lot of effort, we think we can get to anywhere between sixty, eighty thousand 80,000 bottles a year, max. Okay. Uh, maybe a little bit more, but... The reason we would cap out of that is uh, we're looking to be more like the Pappy Van Winkle of tequila, if you will. As the tequila market continues to expand, we don't want to oversupply the market and dilute the flavor profile or the quality of our product. Okay. You know, with wine, it's kind of fun to have a good year over a bad year, and, you know, they play the years against the same vineyard. Right. With distilled spirits, you're looking more for consistency from each batch. You don't want to sell somebody something they remember being really good – 
for the kind of taste they had out of it. Right. And then you give them something totally different. So our flavor, our flavor profile has to be consistent and so from batch to batch. And so it gets a little trickier as you grow the volume and the size. And our um, Maestro Catador has been doing this since uh, 1994. And um, he's very uh, adamant about not going much higher than that okay. um, to protect that flavor profile. So, the, so, the, so you really, in the worldwide potential, I mean, you really have a limited... You have to, it's almost helpful to approach it that you have a limited supply. Yeah, and that's what we're trying to say is ultimately we will have a limited supply. We'll allocate it. You know, we like to think of some of the bigger companies as General Motors and ours is a little bit more like Ferrari or okay. Lotus or one of these, you know, car makers that produces a lot less quantity, a little higher price, and has, still has, seems to have enough demand and, and uh, ability to uh, um, grow through the years. Their so, so I would think I, I'm – uh, having sipped it, it's it is awesome. Uh, I Thank don't you. have the words to describe the fact that it is so smooth um, and flavorful at the same time, which you know is 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 a compliment. Um, those people that get on the train early, as in other words, adopt your your product early, become fans, help you to move, probably will embed themselves in some type of folklore and loyalty, I would think, with the bad stuff to keep. Absolutely. In fact, let me just say that it, the critics have called it, we've won many awards, by the way, uh, the, some, one of the critics called it creme brulee in a glass. Oh, my goodness. And another one called it museum-grade tequila you do not want to share with your in-laws. Um, but, yeah, we have, honestly, we have fans. We have a couple celebrities who I won't mention that started drinking it. And we have, uh, I just got a note the other day from a woman, we're, we're launching in Colorado next uh, week for distribution, starting in Aspen, and we had been there for the Food and Wine Festival and had several people buy it while we were there, uh, taste it while we were there, I'm sorry, we couldn't sell it at the time. And um, so I wrote a few of these people I had emails for to let them know, and one of the women uh uh, one wrote me back and said, look, I'd love to hold a tasting at my house of influencers in wow. Aspen for you. Wow. So it does yes. – it's, it's fun. It's a small business. Right. And that's part of the joy of keeping it small. Right. Is you get to relate to your customers no matter how big or small. And, and we're, we're only have about two minutes left here on the sure. Critical Mass Radio Show and Podcast with David Warshawski. He's the CEO and general manager of the Bad Stuff Tequila. Um, but at that volume of 60, 80, maybe pushing 100,000 bottles a year, that is a successful revenue business model for the company. Uh, given the multiples these companies get or seem to get at this time, it's very successful. Okay. And given um, that we tr- stay small and lean, yes. Uh, you know, all companies have to run – on different sort of economics, if you exactly. will. Exactly, right. And uh, we plan on staying pretty lean, which means we're entrepreneurs, you know, we'll pull cable as well as uh, right. negotiate deals. Whatever it takes. You know, Can I ask you, uh, for those of you that are watching the live stream, what does a bottle, what will a bottle like this cost at retail? If you go to uh, a place like Total Wine, you'll find it for about two twenty nine a bottle retail. Okay. Uh, we're currently working with them to get on one of their uh, programs called Ibotta that gives you a $10 rebate. Um, and then generally at other independent retailers, um, anywhere from two twenty nine to two forty nine. Okay, is that is that a crowded space at that price point for that client for this product, or, or is it is it unique in that the challenge isn't uh, is getting their attention? You know, it's getting their attention because I think once somebody's made the decision to purchase a uh, tequila or a distilled spirit in that price point. It's really which one do I want? Okay. You know, people drink it. Right. You know, if you look at the grouping products out there based on price point, volume's pretty good. It, but different brands will sell versus other brands. Right. And it becomes really a matter of taste at that point. And yeah. that's why our tagline is taste matters. Right. And, and I would think 
having third-party endorsements or people who they trust recommend that they buy this because they will be happy with it could close could be the difference between picking your product off the shelf and maybe another product at some place like total wine and more yeah i think in many cases it is yes it's really that influencer right at the point and so the opportunity to have a tasting with a group of influencers in the right demographic these are the things that you'll look back on and go that was a significant event especially when they're within the right communities you know when we target a community like aspen or snowmass having a a few of the influencers from that local community who people trust right But it's all in the taste, isn't it? Yes, it is. All right. So it, so let's say there's someone out there listening today or in the future on iTunes that says, I like tequila. I'm intrigued by everything I've heard. First of all, how do they find your brand online? I would go to our website, www.thebadstufftequila.com, um, and you can email me. I will personally respond. Okay. Because that might help them if they're in a market where it's not clear how they would get the product yes. if they wanted it. You can help them. It's absolutely them to- true. We're not a national brand yet. We're only being distributed in Colorado and, and California at the moment. We are talking about um, Nevada soon and a few other states. But uh, having launched just in January, we're growing that distribution. Okay. Well, California is the destination market. People come yep. here from all over the world. So Yep. And okay. we have a few vendors who can ship uh, nationally. There you go. All right. Well. It has been. I've been looking forward to having you on the show since I first heard about your brand. I love these entrepreneurial stories, especially with a powerful history and backstory, which you have. The packaging rocks, and everything seems to be put together for a tremendous success for you. And, and congratulations for you seizing this opportunity as an entrepreneur. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for having us. I was really looking forward to being here as well. This is really our first exploit into media, and I couldn't be happier to be here to start. And uh, really appreciate your support. Thank you. Thank you for being on the show, a friend of the program, and a part of the Critical Mass community. Absolutely. I'd like to also thank our engineer for today, none other than Paul Roberts. Our producers are three, Joan Park, Crystal Nunley, and Haley Stern. If you'd like to connect with me on social media, Twitter, I am CEO Peer Groups. On LinkedIn and YouTube, find me as Richard Franzi, F-R-A-N-Z-I. On Facebook, Critical Mass, and our website is simply criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Until our next show, I hope all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi.